0: Join me now, and it's been a little while. Last time actually, I actually chatted with him, we were doing the Raptors-Memphis Grizzlies game. It is Raptors reporter Josh Loewenberg. Josh, thanks so much for joining the show today.
1: was Raptors-Grizzlies. I remember that well. I think they do as well.
0: Yes, yeah, they do. We won't... Uh... Well, We won't relitigate uh, that corpse of a game. Um, and I want to praise you, Josh. Your last couple of calls at TSN.ca were fantastic. They made me think, and I'm like, I want to get them on the show. And before we get into trades or you know what's happening tonight or the team's got to figure their bleep out, I want to go back to Fred Van Vliet. And What are we getting wrong about Fred VanVleet? And by this, I mean his bad shooting, his shooting percentage, which is down. It's taken the biggest hit of any Raptor regular. How much of that is a result of the rest of the team failing him and putting so much more of a burdensome of work on him?
1: Well, I just think, and this is sort of the basis of my argument in in the column as well, is you have to take a nuanced look at it. Yes, we can look at the season as a whole and say this has been a disappointing one for Van Lee. Maybe it wouldn't have been a couple of years ago, right? Like I, This isn't a bad season for him, but obviously it's a significant enough step backwards from where he was as an all-star last year. We can look at it specifically and say his defense has fallen off. The shooting, obviously, it's been an issue. But I think instead of just saying... Fred VanVleet hasn't shot the ball well, or Fred VanVleet hasn't been as good defensively as we're used to seeing. Let's ask why, right? And I I don't think you can say that this is entirely the reason, but I think at least part of the reason has to do with his usage and his workload. And going into the season, that was a big thing for the Raptors. They talked about their plan, or at least their hope, of lightening his workload. And it was going pretty well for the first few weeks. Like His minutes were down, and I know they really made a concerted effort to get him some rest during the preseason. They didn't push him too far in training camp, sort of easing his way in a little bit. But then for various circumstances, that's obviously changed quite a bit here over the last couple months. He's now fourth in the league in minutes played behind James Harden and two of his teammates. He's averaging 38 minutes a game since the beginning of December, which is exactly the same as it was last year, and then specifically here over the last couple of weeks, I mean, in the overtime game, he plays 47 minutes, then he plays 41 minutes. And remember, he's still just recovering from this back injury that he missed time with. So what happens when you're playing tired and hurt? Your, your shot is probably one of the first things to, to go, and, and the defense is going to be affected by it as well. So I, I think if you look at it, that makes a lot of sense to me, even if we're just looking at these last couple games. VanVleet played 35 minutes against Portland the other night. That's the fewest minutes he's played in, like, almost a month. And you could see the difference in the fourth quarter. He had the fresh legs. He hit a couple big shots, which we're not used to seeing. He's missed a lot of those this year. Whereas in those couple games I just mentioned where he played a ton of minutes, the overtime game, he was excellent through the first three quarters, and then he ran out of gas towards the end of the game. So I think there's a lot to this in terms of what the solution is, and that that's where I, I agree. Like, th- there is no easy answer here. And I almost feel for Nick Nurse and for the organization. I mean, a lot of this has to go on the front office in terms of not bringing in a reliable backup for him. They didn't address that at all over the summer. They made one major or at least significant signing, Otto Porter Jr., and we'll get to that in a second. He's now out for the season after having surgery on his foot. So there, there are no answers behind Van Lee. And if you're Nick Nurse, like, who do you turn to here? The bench is underperforming. They haven't played well with the exception of the Portland game when Fred's been on the bench. And now on top of all of that, you're chasing wins and trying to save your season, which is exactly the position they were in last year when Van Vliet admits that he pushed himself too far. So it's a double-edged sword. I don't know what you do if you're nurse. I, I, I mean, with Fred as well, like he's a competitor. He wants to win. He's also now playing for a contract. So he wants to be out there for as many minutes as possible, but, There's obviously a point of diminishing returns where if he's overextended, he's not at his best, which is not good for him, and it's not good for the team. So they've got to find an answer here. I don't know what it is.
0: And to me, the answer is what can they do so they're not so bad when Van Vliet is off the court? We can talk about Van Vliet's shooting, and he has missed a lot of open shots. But I think the bigger picture issue is how do the Raptors – find a way to at least tread water on those rare moments when Van Vliet is sitting on the bench.
1: And the easy answer there, I think, is you've got to stagger Siakam and Van Vliet. And I know that the Raptors didn't do that, that Nurse didn't do it, do it during the bench's best stretch in a while, that second quarter run against Portland the other day, where I thought, I'll be honest, I thought they were toast. The second I see them start the, the second quarter with Gary Trent Jr. and four reserves on the floor. It worked. I'm not sure how sustainable that is as well as Trent is playing. I just think you're, you're lacking a few things on this team, as we have talked about at length over the last few months. You're obviously lacking shooting, sure, and that's where I think it probably also helps to have Trent on the floor when Van Dleet is not out there just because you don't have a lot of shooting. But you also don't have a ton of playmakers on this team. So you need Siakam out there when Van Vliet's not on the floor. That's the first thing. But outside of that, like, yeah, you you, you need more from these guys. You need more from those second-unit players. I thought it was encouraging the other night to see Precious Achua for the first time since coming back from the injury look more like himself. He's getting his conditioning back. I think that'll help a great deal. Hopefully he helps you know, kind of get Boucher back to playing the way that he did in the second half of last season. They need more consistency from the guards, and I think that's been a big issue because, like, who's this team's backup point guard? Who's the backup of Van Vliet? Malachi Flynn right now, but he's been up and down this year, and there's a reason why he's been in and out of Nick Nurse's circle of trust over the last three years. Delano Banton has been with the G League, and Scotty Barnes, like, they've used him as a point guard here and there this year to mix results, but he's mostly been playing center now, but the Raptors are going small. So, I mean, that's the problem, really, is, like, you don't have a backup point guard. You need guards to win in this league.
0: Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. And the problem is is that when they traded Kyle Lowry, they knew they had Fred Van Vliet. What they haven't found for Fred Van Vliet is a Fred Van Vliet to back up Fred Van Vliet. <laughs> we are joined Lowry, by.
1: Like, this was an issue with Lowry for so many years as well, but at least they made yeah. more of an attempt to manage his minutes. They went out and signed Corey Joseph. They did yeah. things here and there to try and lessen the workload on Lowry. And again, like mixed results there, too, because they needed him on the floor. But, I mean, you can't look at this and say, well, they've done everything they can do because, I mean, they haven't. And that's sort of what I meant by failing Fred Van VanVleet, not to say that he hasn't also played a part in why the Raptors have underperformed this year as well. No, no.
0: Yeah, I know. It, it's a good piece. I recommend everyone read it. Um, and whatever ire, sports ire, sports anger—different than real anger—that I had at Fred Van Vliet, it went down by 17 percent after reading your article. <laughs> so, right. Josh, uh, Josh, the, if the Raptors had the the same record of the mighty Indiana Pacers, if the Raptors were twenty three and eighteen and were six in the East. How differently would we view these back-to-back games against the lonely Charlotte Hornets? Because it kind of feels like every loss right now is a referendum on the team, and any loss could push, um, you know, what that will push them to do as we get closer to the trade deadline, and every loss means are they going to be more active at the deadline. How different would we view a Tuesday game against the Hornets if the Raptors were, say, five, six games over 500?
1: Well, in like some ways, and when you say it like that, it almost sounds like an overreaction, right? Like that each loss is is could could mean the end of their season. But I, I mean, I really think they're in that stage of the season here, where and just given their situation, like each game really is, if not a must-win, then pretty close to it, because time is running out. Like, no, it's not impossible for them to turn things around, and we keep pointing out that it was around this time last year that they did. That, that very thing after the slow start to the season. But at, at this time last year, whatever, wherever we're at now, January, what is it, 10th, 11th? January 10th. January, it's January 10th today, yes. The Raptors had won six straight games. And they were already climbing back over 500, So there were already signs of that turnaround. They were starting to figure things out defensively. They looked like they were coming together. And we've seen it a little bit here and there. And I will say, like I'll give them full credit, full marks for that win over Portland. They overcame uh, fourth quarter game time and some truly terrible officiating. And it really was one of the most complete wins of the season, now are they going to build on it? And like I said, they, they have to. We're, we're, today, tonight is the halfway mark of the season. We're less than a month out of the trade deadline. And obviously from a front office evaluation standpoint, decisions have to be made pretty soon. And I'll tell you, and this is what I wrote yesterday, they don't know what they're going to do. Like the, the biggest reason why people around the league, teams around the league, are trying to figure out well, what other Raptors are going to do how are they going to approach the trade deadline? It's because the Raptors themselves aren't quite sure of it. So yeah, I, I do think these are big games and especially a couple games against one of the only five teams in the NBA that are below the Raptors in the standings, the Charlotte Hornets. I'm not sure how much fun these two games are going to be to watch Tuesday, no. Thursday night Raptors Hornets. Like uh, I'm not sure that that's making um, headlines here or are going to lead a uh, sports center every night, but These are big games for the Raptors if, in fact, the hope and the plan is to try and push their way into the play-in tournament and maybe even compete for something better than that if things really start to turn here over the next few weeks. Josh
0: Lundberg is a lousy hype man, so I'm going to help him out here. Thursday's (laughs) game, uh, Hornets-Raptors, you can listen to right here on TSN 1050. And these games are important, not just to see the stars of the future, Scotty Barnes-Mo Ball, but because the Raptors have gotten off to such a disappointing start every win or loss feels a little more important because it feels like it has an exponentially greater impact on what they do at the trade deadline something we wouldn't be talking about if the raptors were say 6 games 7 games over 500 then it would just be a tuesday night game where we would giggle at the at uh at uh, lamar ball's uh, fa- uh what's the, what's the father's name i forget who is the father's name lamar Yeah, LeVar Ball, excuse me. Um, If the Raptors were seven games over 500, we'd be making LeVar Ball jokes right now. Um, You mentioned it, um, the Otto Porter
1: Jr. era. How best are you going to remember that? Well, it might not be over. He's got a player option for $6.3 million for next season. At this point, I'm not sure that if I'm Otto Porter Jr., I'm declining it. 6.3 million in the NBA isn't what it used to be, like just based on his track record and what he can be when he's healthy. And the fact that the last time we saw him really like healthy and on the floor and playing considerably was for the NBA champion Golden State Warriors. I mean, maybe he opts out of that and ends up getting somewhere in that neighborhood next year anyway. But uh, I think at this point the plan is unless he's traded over the next month is that he's probably back with the Raptors next year. Uh, and in terms of what we've seen so far, the very little we've seen from him so far, it, it's unfortunate because he's the guy the Raptors really liked. Bring him in over the summer. He's a guy that I think most of us really liked as well. Like, it made a lot of sense. Like, no, from a positional standpoint, it wasn't addressing the glaring need of a center or a guard. But in terms of skill set, man, you look at it now, he, he's like a 40% career, just a hair under it, three-point shooter. They could really have used that. But, and from the start, he hurts his hamstring in training camp. I think it was day one of training camp, if I'm not mistaken, in Victoria. So, really, he hasn't been around all year. The eight games that he played, he was finally just kind of like working his way back into shape and then dislocates his toe. And we haven't seen him since. I know the Raptors were really hoping that he would be back at some point. He was hoping to avoid surgery The plan was to get him ramped up here this month and hopefully have him back at some point in January. But when it seemed like he wasn't making any progress, this sort of did seem like an inevitability. So, yeah, I mean, he's not not (laughs) getting his jersey retired here. I think that's safe to say.
0: No, someone brought up Damari Carroll and uh, I it, 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 this is just off-topic for a half-second. Remember when they signed Damari Carroll from Atlanta and he was going to be the guy to slow down LeBron James? Man, that feels like an eternity ago.
1: <laughs> you can go down the list. I mean, listen, Messiah Jerry, Bobby Webster, this Raptors front office, they've done an incredible job drafting talent. Um, their trades have been pretty good, but the one area where they get a failing grade is through free agency because like really it 's one failed story after the next and, and not entirely their fault. like in some of these cases, okay, like a guy gets hurt can 't really control that in this case you can 't be entirely shocked just because Otto Porter jr obviously a big risk at the time he 's got a history of injuries, and yet. Theoretically, it made a lot of sense. Theoretically, he's a the guy that could really help this team, but you're playing the game not on paper, obviously. So, yeah, at some point, you need to hit on these. You're not going to hit on all of them. This is like a mid-level exception signing. There's been a lot of, like, Juancho Hernandez who was signed for a minimum contract. You're not going to hit on a lot of those, but you do need to hit on some of them. And the fact that the Raptors have struck out on so many of these signings over the years, well, that's why they don't have a whole lot of depth right now. That's a big part of the problem. Josh, always
0: appreciate. Check out his work at tsn.ca. I'm now on Twitter. I'm seeing a video on you on TSN Sports asking, are the Raptors going to be sellers at the deadline? Uh, win or lose, the Raptors are going to be a very fascinating team, unlike the Charlotte Hornets, the greatest player of all time, owns the, one of the most boring teams uh, of the last 20 years. Thank you, Josh, for joining the show today.
1: All right, talk to you, man.
0: Absolutely. That was Josh Lewenberg, TSN Raptors reporter.